Okay. Sure. So I think uh, the last topic we spoke about was uh, about gladdening the mind. Mm -hmm. So not specifically focusing on anything with any particular intention, but just sitting there being happy in the present. And talking yourself into it. That's the gladdening of the mind. Using yep. your thoughts to nourish and nurture yourself. Okay. Yep. And so, um, and and by the way, it's uh, good to have you as a student. And <laughs> I wanted to announce that. And glad to see you again. Um, sure. And so, um, the first thing that we can talk about is the statement that you made about uh, trying to do it at night, trying to maintain the posture. Do you remember talking to me about that a couple of moments ago? Yeah, sleeping on the side. Yeah, tell me about that again. Yeah, so um, I, I I don't know how to position myself to, to sleep on the side because I have um, injuries on both my hands that require me to keep my elbows straight when I sleep. So it's kind of hard for me to position my hands in a way such that there's... You're telling a new story. You didn't say what you said before. Yes. Well, that's that is the specifics of my difficulty. All right. You're still dancing around it. What you said was that you were trying to Fall. remember that part of it. Yeah, yeah. Still trying to to sleep on my side. Yeah. And, and and oh, and then I woke up facing the ceiling. Yeah. And and uh, forgot what I said after that. That it's hard to do. Yeah. Where in fact the point is is that you woke up and saw yourself facing the ceiling and right. that was the moment in time of aha I see that I'm not sleeping on the side so you you uh, woke up a bit but not very much. Yep yes. You woke up and then had a thought of failure I didn't do it I'm not doing it right. Yeah I failed. I'm not good enough. I've got to make an excuse about elbows and all of this kind of stuff. Yeah, this is what I'm addressing. This is not the gladdening of the mind. Okay. The gladdening of the mind is to wake up at the st and stare at the ceiling and recognize, hot diggity dog, this is an opportunity to lay over on my side. Yeah, yeah. This is the practice right there that encapsulates the, uh, encapsulates the entire practice right in that one moment. But what are we going to do in this particular moment? When we catch ourselves screwing up, what are we going to do about it? Almost always we do about it what happened to us when we were kids. We were punished, we were put down, we were chastised because that's human culture. <clears throat> We yep. go for punishment of wrongdoing rather than rehabilitation of wrongdoing. Yeah, this yep. is what we mean by critical. Mm. Rather than nourishing to begin to nourish yourself. And this is a point in time when we do that is right now when we're waking up and recognize that I'm not in the posture that I had intended to be in hot dog. Wake up. I can see that. And then we can take the posture and be very comfortable coming back into the posture that probably I'm even more comfortable after I roll over to my side than I was when I was laying on my back, which I was done mindlessly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we can see that we can do that every moment. Every moment we have some sort of wake up into something wrong. Mm -hmm. And then we dwell on it. Okay, we wake up to thinking about an email that has to be written. How many times has that happened? Every okay. morning. <laughs> All right. Well, every time that happens, you have two choices. Actually, we always miss out on the two choices 
and we take a third option. And that is to continue to worry about it. <clears throat> mm -hmm. But the two options are one, put it out of your mind because you're not going to do it now. You're having too much fun to think about that email or to, we're having too much fun to do the email. Why don't we have enough fun to not even think about it? Why do I have to think about it and mess my mess up this moment when I'm not actually doing the email? Mm. Or the other one is, is that when we're thinking about the email, we're actually planning and plotting out so that when we actually do the email, it's easy peasy. Yep. So we can make the email easier while we're thinking about it, or we can actually just go do it. But what we do instead is worry about it. Yep, yep. Mm -hmm. So just like you worried about staring at the ceiling and worrying about rolling over, you could have just rolled over instead. That's true. That's true. OK, so this is the essence of the teaching of the Buddha is in this moment. What are we doing? But see, you are plotting and planning way off into the advance of, oh, I'm going to be a good left sider. Or I'm going to be a good right sider or whatever. <laughs> Yep, yep. And then you felt like a failure and it's hard to do because you had expectations of having already done it when in fact you're not even doing it now. You're punishing yourself right now for not doing it rather than taking the opportunity to practice doing it. And that's the habit we picked up as kids. Punishment. Now, because I, I, I don't necessarily feel bad about myself specifically, but there's a general disappointment. Is that the mm -hmm. same thing? Exactly. Okay. That's because you have disappointing little thoughts from time to time, leaving you left with a little bit of disappointment. When you stop having little disappointing thoughts, you won't feel that big disappointment inside anymore. Okay. <laughs> it's that simple. It's a it's a, simply a cause effect relationship. We can think of it as a um a think feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because the thinking of affects our feelings just as our feelings affects our thinking. So it's a two-way street. An example of that is is getting your opponent angry in the competition will put you to your to the advantage that if you're clear thinking and watching what's going on and he's all really pissed off and intent on hurting you he will leave himself open mm -hmm. yeah okay this happens in chess it happened in 1972 in the world chess championship between bobby fisher and boris gasky mm -hmm. it happens in the wrestling ring it happens in the boxing ring. It happens in I in um, in martial arts, either in the movies or on the streets, mm -hmm. but not in the dojo. It happens um, on the debating stage. They even have a rule about ad nahamium attacks. You can't attack your opponent. You can only attack what his teachings is. That mm -hmm. you don't call him an idiot because he's defending an idiotic position, right? Right, so right. that means that if you can attack him personally and get him feeling bad, then he won't be. Then he'll be more will, more intent on defending his self and his position than he is on convincing the audience that his side is correct. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Isn't that interesting? Okay, when we know that, then we know that we are uh, in this in the cell in in the way. We're going all around defending ourselves against perceived or possible conceptualized dangers. Yeah. When, it, when in fact we're not. That that instinct of, of living in a dangerous world probably started when we were humans still living in the jungle 500,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. Because mm -hmm. it was dangerous and we need to keep our wits about us. Well, now we live 
uh, in first lean-tos and then caves and then houses and then uh, cities, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all in order to make our uh, species safe. And in fact, we've taken over the entire planet, but we still feel unsafe. You're in those cities. We still feel unsafe. We even call it a concrete jungle. Mm-hmm. But the real dangers in the cities is not from the rats and the sewers and the lions and the panthers and the elephants walking down the street. They're all in the zoos. No, the danger is the humans. And why are dan- humans so dangerous? Because they're afraid of each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this is something that then we need to understand is, is that fear then, um, <clears throat> when one is afraid, it uh, puts his thinking in a certain pattern Mm -hmm. and when he is feeling good and happy then his thinking is in a different pattern sequence Mm -hmm. but you can also think about something that happened that will get you angry again over something that you're not that was a long ago and you don't feel angry yet but then you think about it and you get angry again Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in that regard we can see that the thoughts um, manipulate the feelings and the, the feelings affect the mind. There's a two-way street in there. This yep. is actually pointed out in one of the steps of Anapanasati's to see that interrelationship between our feelings and the mind mm-hmm. because we're going to work with that very strongly in the sense that <clears throat> when we feel something Instead of having thoughts that are associated with that feeling, what we do is we inspect and investigate those feelings instead. Mm -hmm. Also, with the thought that when we have a negative thought or whatever kind of thought we have, we recognize and see those thoughts Mm -hmm. rather than taking down the road of the feelings that those kind of negative, unwholesome thoughts will bring up. We have... Uh, gladdening thoughts or happy thoughts instead so we don't wind up making ourselves feel bad. Mm -hmm. But in both cases, it's all about the feelings because Mm -hmm. that, the the way we feel is is what drives our behavior. Yep. Yep. That we are driven by our feelings of anger or disgust rather than thoughts of that's wrong or that's bad. Just a simple thought of it's wrong or it's bad is nothing. But when we really feel bad about it, it is bad. Yep. That's when that we take an action, either whether it's very slight or very subtle or very grand uh, and, and big and obvious. It's still the same thing that our thoughts affect our feelings and our feelings affect our behaviors and bodily functions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which also means that the bodily functions will affect our feelings. Mm -hmm, Therefore, mm -hmm. the bodily functions also affect our mind state. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's many, many thousands of examples of that, including getting a broken arm and have it in the cast. You Uh will start thinking about your arm a lot because it's broken. Yeah. Yeah. But if you're not, if the arm is fine uh, and working correctly, we forget all about it. Yeah. Yep. Have you so, heard about the uh, pen in the mouth one? Pardon? Have you heard about the pen in the mouth one? Go ahead. There was a there was a there was a study where they took a group of people, they asked them what their mood was, and then they asked another group of people to hold a pen in between their teeth and ask them what their mood was, and the pen in between their teeth group rated their mood higher because they they were smiling when they were holding that. Uh, pen in their mouth so so yeah i i get it i'm with you you're correct in fact that's a more subtle one but you you will change your mood if you start to smile just like you will start to smile when you change your mood Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that actually smiling will help change your mood just like they're because they're interconnected it's not a one-way street Mm mm-hmm it's yep. not like a diode, it's just a wire. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, and so when we smile, and not only that, but when I start smiling and getting joking, then the students do also. Yep, yep. 
right. And that's natural. It's, it's part of the human connection that we have that is instinctual within each of us. That's that um, nesting instinct or going along to get along. Mm-hmm. But you can actually cheer people up with that. They go along with my laughter to get along with me, but then they wind up being cheered up. <laughs> your laughter is infectious. But uh, to go back on one of your earlier points about, um, I think it was uh, it was the past and the present with, with regard to this. I've been kind of picking up and filtering my thoughts, and usually it's like, you know, worrying about something in the future you go no that's the future focus on the present or the same thing with the past and that that's helped with with the stress let's look at that no that you have because the source of that no is actually written in the language of the ten commandments thou shalt not right okay and it's an authoritarian no uh, which yeah. has a heaviness to it. And we're wanting to change even that right away. In other words, that's that critical parent of, no, you can't do that. It's, and we're going to change that nurture from the critical parent into the nurturing parent. And the way that we do that is, aha, I caught you. Yeah. Aha, I see that. All right. And that's a completely different reaction than, no. Right, right. And that's that's the pity, the, the joy that comes from recognition. Well, that's the seed of it. That's the seed of the pity. Okay. Pity gets really big, <laughs> but that's but that's the very seed of it. That's the start of it is. Are you going to when you have the sati to see that that thought was an unwholesome thought? Why the next un, why the next thought has to be unwholesome, too, even though you woke up. So you saw the you have the thought. You see it, and now you have another unwholesome thought. Where is that going to take you? <laughs> not, not to a good place. All right. So that when that means that our sati has to be strong enough to be able to change it, rather than just say no. And and people, in fact, will go so far as to say, "Oh, poor me! This meditation is so hard to do." Oh, the mind wanders away every time I bring back to the breath. It just wanders away again. I'll just never get anywhere. Maybe <laughs> I'm doing something wrong. Maybe the teacher is screwed up. Maybe this whole Buddha stuff is just imagination. I mean, they're all a bunch of crooks. All right. That kind of thought system happens in every meditation hall <laughs> almost every day. <laughs> I'm sure it does. I have a, I have a Damaroto in my head lounging in the bungalow saying, you don't need it. Leave it. Leave it. Glad in the mind. So, mm-hmm. so I, I picture you and it's, it's, a, it's a very happy no. Well, oh, that, okay. Uh, uh, then, then it's not a no at all. It's an ah, uh, uh, uh. Yeah, it's a ha ha ha. Okay, it's a Gucci 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 kind of thing rather than a slap. (laughs) It it feels good to notice it. It feels good to notice it. Yeah, yeah, it feels good to notice it rather than to feel dejected and a failure because you saw it. Like laying on the bed and you open your eyes or whatever and you recognize that you're staring at the ceiling. It's the same thing. It's exactly the same thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm a little bit of a grouch in the morning, so I, I have to work on that. <laughs> but, well, it's uh, not necessary. No, and, and when you said I, I'm a bit of a grouch in the morning and I'll have to work on that. Another way of saying is, aha, yeah, I can see that. I, I did it again. <laughs> I know. And I'm listening. <laughs> Yeah, because I have learned to listen. Yeah, yeah. And so I impart that skill to you. Start listening to the thoughts that you have. Yeah. Because you can catch them, and then you can say, aha, I see that. I can see that stuff. So there's one thing I wanted to ask you about specifically with regards to these thoughts, because I think we we segregated it into 
three main types. So we had the past, the present, and then we had junk thoughts. Mm -hmm. Where does um, music fall into that? So when I'm when I'm sitting and your choice. Okay. Okay. Um, that in fact I just gave a long talk to a musician philosopher mm -hmm. about music. And so I'll refer you to, to that when it's published. It'll be published in the next few days. But in any case, um, the Buddha was not against music. Nacha Gita Watada Visukadasana is the Western mentality is no music any. All right. Where what the Buddha was referring to is uh, musicals and dancing and basically going to shows. The Vada Sukhadasana, uh, the word dasa there is slave to sukha. In this case, it's talking about sensual desires. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we, we can see that wrapped up in the sense of sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Yeah. Right? There, the rock and roll is that integral part of uh, sensuality. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And going to shows and going to brothels and going to uh, raves and going to discos and all of that because of the, the, the pounding music mm -hmm. is what the Buddha was talking about. There okay. is a different kind of music, mm -hmm. and that would be the kind of music that is uplifting, which is much more of the classical, uh, especially starting in the time of, of the classics. Mm -hmm. But by the 1950s, it had gotten fairly good in the sense of zippity-doo-dah and uh, que sera, sera, and a whole lot of uplifting songs. Mm -hmm. And if you, you can take the lyrics of the song and also the rhyme and the meter mm -hmm. and the tempo, which is, again, repeating it over and over again. What makes a good poem, in fact, is the fact that it's dancing around one theme. Mm -hmm. And he keeps talking about it over and over and over again, okay? Like the Ode to Joy, which is Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. Mm -hmm. It's an Ode to Joy. So if you just joyful, 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 joyful over and over and over again, then you begin to feel joyful. People like that piece of music because it makes them feel so good. The same yeah. thing with other particular music is, is that it makes you feel good, but there's also a whole class of music, a dirge, a funeral march, um, requiems, mm -hmm. all of that kind of stuff are beautiful in their own way, but it takes you into a, a state of sadness. Mm -hmm. That mm -hmm. music has um, um, emotional qualities to it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So armed with that knowledge, Mm -hmm. You now can choose what kind of music is going to be wholesome and which kind of music is not going to be wholesome. Your choice, once you know. But okay. if you have the idea that music, music, music is all good or music is all bad, now we're not taking the middle path. The middle path is let's do this wisely and figure out which music is worth listening to and which music is not. Generally, most popular music is not worth listening to. Yep, yep. Because they're just playing the same old chord sequence that they've been playing for a hundred years or two. Yeah, yeah, I'll agree with and that. And sometimes they experiment with stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's when the music becomes interesting is because of the experimentation and something new in it. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. a lot of people, they don't like new music. Yeah. It's also interesting that um, with the exception of George Gershwin, um, <clears throat> and mostly in the sense of, uh, 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 oh, there was quite a lot of them. We're talking about the, uh, the classical composers that came out of the 19th century into the 20th century, mm -hmm. all of the classical music got dark. Mm -hmm, okay, mm -hmm. Bella Bartark and... Uh, um, and um, uh, Gosh, there was a lot of them at that time. But Gershwin still did have, and because of the, uh, his roots were in black blues and other things like that, he wound up with lilting tunes. Mm -hmm. Okay, so American in Paris and uh, Rhapsody in Blue um, has a much more uplifting 
kind of feel than uh, than some of the heavier stuff. Then, in fact, we even think of classical music as heavy, or in fact, quite a lot of it is is uplifting and, and very bright. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so. Um, uh, so, what is your mind doing when the music is being played? Are you paying attention to it the way a musician would pay attention to it? Can you follow the score on symphony? Yeah. Can you detect when you're listening to a symphony orchestra which music, which instruments are being played, in which particular notes are are well, which particular notes? That takes a deeper skill, but at least identifying the instruments as you're listening to them and knowing and paying attention to what's going on, and appreciating the music. As yeah. opposed to just having the music go in the background while the mind is just grinding on with whatever it was going to grind on with. Yeah, I'm I'm a drummer, so I'll be like playing patterns over and over. But I'm I'm wondering because that's because that's kind of therapeutic in the same way. I wonder if that's a pacifier that's going to be a hindrance if I want to quiet the mind. That's exactly the case that happens with most people. So this is this is dangerous, right? But in fact, you know for sure that a song can get stuck in your head and you want to get rid of it and you don't know how. Yeah, yeah. you don't like it anymore. You liked it for a while, and <laughs> then you don't like it anymore. Notice that you changed. Yeah, yeah. That's an important point. It's not the song that you want to get out of your head anymore. It's the fact that now you don't like it. What changed? You can begin to start playing that song and begin to like it again. You don't have to throw the thing out. That's true, yeah. Or another way is is that you can find a better song that you like and sing that to yourself. And then by doing that and concentrating and actually getting the second song, you kind of forget all about the first one. And then maybe bits and pieces of it will show up in a tenth or so of a second, maybe a note or two. And that's okay. Yeah, yeah. Because now you got even a new symphony. Yeah, yeah. But if you don't like it and you want to stop it, now you've created a problem for yourself. And that's what's unwholesome. It's got nothing to do with the music. It's what Mm. you're doing with it. Ah, okay. I think think I'll stay away from now. For now. (laughs) I I can see myself wanting to calm down and still playing that song again. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. know. Oh, no. Knowing that, it's better to turn it off, exactly, that, that that happens, that if I listen to a symphony, I don't just listen to it for an hour and it plays, i got to listen to it for three days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, at least that's how it was at one time in my life. Now it's not so much of a trouble. But anyway, um, yes. But that's just a passing kind of topic. The real issue is what is the mind doing in this particular moment? That's the real issue. Mm -hmm. And this is what we need to start looking at over and over and over again. Because every mind moment is a different mind moment, a new opportunity to be here now with this thought right now. Or in the reality where we're not actually doing much thinking because we're too busy experiencing through the other senses. Mm -hmm. Basically, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like this, that each sense door uh, with six senses is almost just as an analogy like a six shooter or Mm -hmm. a revolver in the sense that we can spin that thing, but it's that the the chamber is going to be one of six chambers. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so at any particular mind moment, we're either going to be seeing, we're going to be hearing, we're going to be smelling, we're going to be touching, we're going to be tasting, or we're going to be thinking. Mm-hmm. But we can't do all of them at the same mind moment time. Mm-hmm. But we can spin that barrel, uh, uh, spin the cylinder fairly fast. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. And so it's a good idea to start watching what you're doing, to start noticing when the mind is spinning or when it's chambered with a thought or whether it's chambered 
with vision. And so the reason that we're now starting to pay more and more attention to the breathing is because that means that the breath is being chambered, which means that we're in the here now, as opposed to avoiding that one particular, or actually that one particular chamber, which is the thinking chamber, and that is thinking about the breath, rather than actually watching the breath. Mm-hmm or having to watch the breath in the mirror because we don't know how to feel it. Mm -hmm. But nobody does that. Everybody can feel their own body breathing if you just pay attention to it. But when we're thinking about something else, we're not paying any attention to it. Great. So what are you going to do with this mind moment? Are you going to be in senses? Or are you going to be in your own outer space? Or maybe inner space? Hopefully the latter. I want to ask you a question about the the difference between uh, you you said you said watching and experiencing and I, and I was reading about that as watching is a, is a transition to the kind of automatic experiencing if that makes sense. Uh, we can think of it in the sense of the distinction between gazing and tunnel vision or perhaps even the distinction between a telescope and a wide-angle lens. Okay. All right. Or in listening to music, are you just listening to the violinist playing the violinist concerto, or are you actually listening to the uh, to the dialogue between the violinist and the timpani, while all of the other uh, instruments are coming in and out, and you're watching what's going on all over the place. All right. A lot of people have the idea that meditation is a closing down and going deep into meditation, like as if you were digging some hole and getting deep in there. Mm -hmm. For real, the practice that the Buddha has is is not to uh, uh, dig yourself a hole, but rather to rise above it all so that you can get a better view of things. This is where the difference between samadhi and concentration comes in. A lot of Westerners have the idea that they're supposed to concentrate. But if you're concentrating on this, you'll miss out on that. What we're working with is opening things up so that you can be here now with your senses to be in the present moment and having what thoughts that you have stay with this present moment rather than dragging you off into the past where you're not experiencing this present moment or into the future where you're not experiencing this present moment. And generally we see the future the same way that we saw the past. It's dangerous. We saw the past as dangerous so every time that we go into the, the past we might reminisce and have a little fun for a little while but then we're going to remember something that happened that's associated with that that makes us feel bad. That's why it's not a good idea to reminisce about the past. Is to stay in the present moment, especially in our own minds. I mean, you can tell a story to somebody and reminisce about the past that way, but when we're sitting there thinking about something that happened in the past, we're not only missing the present moment, but more than likely we're thinking about a problem that we had, and now we've got to fix that problem. We've yep. got to make up for something that happened in the past. Oh, yeah. So, one of the best ways of being in the present moment is by not thinking much at all, but rather spending our mind moments in experience of the senses. So, mm -hmm. in that regard, watching is kind of like the tunnel vision of going deep into the hole, or another way that you can do it is like focusing on a distant object. Let's say that the farmer is in the field and he stands up and he looks over at the woods mm -hmm. and he sees a particular tree. Maybe it's the tallest tree and he looks at that. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's a completely different example than the farmer bends up and he gazes at the forest, which means anything that's moving in that distant forest there He's going to notice it because he's not paying attention to any particular thing. He's paying attention to the whole show. And so if there's uh, enemies behind trees, he's going to see them. Not because he's looking for them. It's because he's just looking. 
just gazing, just noticing all there is to notice. So is it, so if I'm understanding this correctly, it's not a focused concentration on the breath, nor is it an unfocusing, but a widening of focus. Right, it's a widening of focus, but we've got to start doing it someplace, and so we choose the breath for several reasons. Mm -hmm. One is because uh, we're not focused, and in fact, a lot of people want to practice focusing on the nose tip, but mm -hmm. that's not in the suttas. Yep. What's the, in the suttas the, the is experiencing the whole body, and that takes a whole lot of looking, Right. and it start with the breath. And in fact, the important thing is to notice, is this a long, deep breath in, and is it a long, deep breath out? This requires mindfulness because mostly our breathing is shallow. And mm -hmm. so just watching shallow breathing, the mind's going to just trot right away because there's nothing interesting there. Mm -hmm. it's, it's sort of like, have you ever heard of the story of the, uh, uh, the, the Dutchman boy that put his finger in the dike? that kept the dam from bursting and flooding the entire area? <laughs> no, I haven't. Okay. The point is, is that he could have walked right by that bleaking hole uh -huh. and not noticed it or paid any attention to it, the way that we do with our breath. Mm -hmm. But actually, he had to come back and apply some effort to stick his finger in that hole. But that's all he had to do to keep the whole show from falling down. Okay, mm -hmm. And so this is what we mean by that, is to take the right effort mm -hmm. to actually uh, control the breathing. Because when we're controlling the breathing, we're controlling the mind. We're actually thinking about making sure that this is a long, deep breath and this is a long, out breath. But by doing so, we begin to notice the body and its breathing. We can see that it's breathing here, it's breathing here, it's expanding here, it's coming up here. We begin to recognize all kinds of things that are happening because we're actually focused on the breathing, but not just singularly on the breathing, but rather generally on the breathing and also on the thoughts that we have and also on the feelings that are associated not with just the body itself, like anxiety is almost always felt in the chest area. But we're also paying attention to the kind of thoughts that we have. And so all of the Satipatthana becomes part of the practice, and every in each one of them is skill. A skill to be developed. A skill of investigating the mind. A skill of investigating the uh, uh, and gladdening the mind. A skill of investigating your feelings only in the sense of investigating how to make yourself feel good. Pity. In other words, mindfulness of anger is not in the Anapanasati Sutta. <laughs> mindfulness of frustration, mindfulness of anxiety is not in the Sutta. Mindfulness of Sukha is in the Sutta. Or let us say building the skill is actually stated this way. Building the skill of Sukha while mindfully breathing in long and building the skill of sukha while mindfully breathing out long. So you breathe in mindfully with sukha then also means that we can have thoughts of sukha, but that's also mindfully gladdening the mind. So I gladden the mind as I'm breathing in and I gladden the mind as I mindfully breathe out long. And with that mindfulness of gladdening the mind and investigating the mind, we do all of that while we're mindfully breathing in long and mindfully breathing out long. So there's actually quite a lot to do, but guess what? We've got plenty of time. <laughs> but in fact, every breath, when we begin to slow it down, we're breathing not 20 times a minute, but we're down at about five or six times a minute. Mm -hmm. At six breaths a minute, that means that we've got 10 maybe 20 seconds yeah, yeah. between the in-breath and the out-breath. A whole lot of going on in there. What's going on? All of it. <laughs> Everything happens in that 20 seconds. 
the mm-hmm. thoughts, the feelings, the mind's objects, everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so we're working with all of it at one time. This is what we mean by expanding rather than digging a hole. Because normally when people get into digging holes, they forget all about their breathing. They forget all about the way they feel. They forget all about their thoughts because they're too busy digging, trying to get deep into meditation or something. So I'm trying to picture what that would look like in my mind, like as as I'm meditating. So, you know, I'd sit there. Okay, as you here's an example again. Sure. First off, I remember to take a deep breath, and then I start to take that deep breath, and I begin to appreciate it with the gladdening of the mind. Oh, that's a good one. It comes in really nice. And then I breathe out. Oh, and I feel so good. And as I do, I relax. Well, look how much I've already done. I've yeah. worked with the mind. I've worked with the body. I've worked with the breath. I've worked with the feelings. I've relaxed the body. It feels so good because I felt it. So I have done step one and two and three and four of Anapanasati as well as step nine and ten and six and seven. And he just did all of that. <laughs> well, you're, you're certainly a master. <laughs> so well, I, um, you can too. That's the whole point. Can, you can yeah, yeah. do this, too, once you begin to pick up looking at what you're doing. Look at these mind moments. Gladden the mind. Take a deep breath intentionally, gladdening the mind. You can do that with little mantras. In fact, in the in the north, uh, East Thailand, they have a mantra Budo, with Bu on the in-breath and Do on the out-breath. But you put those two breaths together, and you've got Buddha. That's it. I'm a Buddha. Buddha. All right. Then um, we can also use it in the sense of as I breathe in, I breathe in joy. And as I breathe out, I relax and let it all go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In with the uh, energy and out with the exhaust. Mm-hmm. In with the good and out with the bad. Let me throw all of that stuff out. So we can develop little mantras that go that way. All right. And so that's the gladdening of the mind, letting go. And as we do that, we begin to get relaxed and begin to get joyful, especially when, when we can say things like this in breath is safe. And this out breath is nourishing. And this in breath is secure. And this out-breath is so comfortable, so relaxing. And so we can work with sukha that way. I am so satisfied with this breath. Wow, this is such a nice breath. This is good enough. Wow, this one's going to keep me alive, too. Okay, Okay. so these are are the gladdening thoughts that we can have that wind wind up or actually go in the process of controlling the the feelings through controlling the mind and controlling the body. Okay. I'm happy. And as we do this, we're developing or gathering together the factors. Mm -hmm. What are the factors now? The factors is number one that we're working with is removal of these hindrances, Mm -hmm. getting the mind out of unwholesome states. Mm-hmm. Like the wholesome states of, oh, poor me, or, oh, I've got to look at the ceiling again because my arms hurt and I can't lay, roll over, or any of those kind of unwholesome thoughts. We can throw all of that out and have the can-do kinds of thoughts. I can do this. Everything is all right. All right. All I have to do now that I see that I'm on my back is just roll over and enjoy it. I don't have to fuss and kick myself in the butt because my butt's on the bed. (laughs) So that's the important point, is to get the hindrances out of the mind. The next one is with the breathing, is by breathing we're oxygenating, energizing the mind as well as the body, so we begin to feel more comfortable and more natural because we've got enough air to survive happily as opposed to being at a minimal. We can actually think better. Also, by removing the hindrances, to do that, we had to apply the mind to those hindrances and throw them out when they came, and we keep doing that. And so we're working with both applied and sustained thought 
And by doing so, we're making the mind fit for work. Also, because we're gladdening the mind and having wholesome thoughts and not hindering thoughts, we're no longer hindering uh, the excellent good feelings that we can have. In fact, we're fostering these excellent good feelings rather than hindering them. And so we begin to feel good. We feel relaxed. We feel comfortable. We feel content. We feel safe and secure and satisfied. All right. As we practice more and more, we begin to get the attitude, I can do this. Mm -hmm. I can begin to think I am on top of my world right now. I can handle anything. Mm -hmm. right? That's the right attitude that, that is developed in the attitude of a winner. We're no longer a victim. This is where the actual pity comes in. The pity is the feeling that you get when you as they hand you the gold medal for just running the 100-yard dash in the Olympics. I mean, top quality, how good can you feel? To feel like a champion, that you've done it, all right? Because what did you need to do? You just cleaned out your mind. The one thing that's the most difficult for humanity to do, you just did it. You're a champion. That Sama Sankapa, this is right attitude, and that right attitude now is the completion of the, the ingredients that we need for first jhana. This is the state of first jhana, is that champion feeling that I've got it. And we continue to keep that because we can sustain the mind in that feeling and that idea of I've got it. This is it. And what okay. have we got? We've got the Dhamma. We've got it. This is it. This is what I've been looking for. I've got what I was looking for, and I feel really good about that. It may not be everything, but it's enough. Mm -hmm. Okay? This is the point where we start the actual practice. Mm -hmm. This is the first jhana, that ha and so the very first thing that we have to do is to get rid of these hindrances and get the mind fit for work. And this being, having the mind fit for work is this first jhana. Different state than most people have, and it's got a huge amount of right attitude built into it, to where most people go into meditation with the attitude of a loser. Mm -hmm. With the attitude that this is hard to do. Now, I want to ask you a little bit about that, too, because I, as you recommended, and as the Buddha said, um, I, I went out to, to a park. I went out to the forest, or as close uh -huh. as I could get close to enough. it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it, was a, it was a beautiful fall day, and maybe I'll, I'll send you a picture if I, can, if I can get a link to it later. But um, I, I, I felt what I, what I think is it's like the joy that just like you know welling up and then it was just like it reached a certain point i'm like i'm not allowed to feel this way and it was just it was quelled in in much of the same way that if i if i were to feel sad and like the feeling of crying would come up and then suddenly it it, it blunts or is suppressed it was it was that same type of um like somebody reaching into your stomach and then you flexing reflexively kind of funny that what you're talking about right now is exactly something that the Buddha said. He said to himself, why am I uh, afraid of this joy? That this joy that I'm experiencing right now is not sensual joy in the sense of going to the bar, going to the brothel, going to Wall Street, or going into sensualities or into the world. This mm -hmm. is merely a feeling that's welling up inside. Why am I afraid of that feeling mm -hmm. of joy? Yes. So the Buddha's had that also. We have to get over the, that and recognize that it's really, really okay to feel really, really good. The human being is capable of that, but human society can't make any money off of people feeling good. Mm -hmm. So our society wants everybody to feel bad. It's built in, it's systemic, they call it. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, except the human society is not systemically racist against people of color. It's systemically racist against humanity itself. 
everybody is miserable and everybody is in competition with everybody else for what they think of as uh, insecure due to scarcity. Mm -hmm. To where really what we want is not all of the goods. We don't necessarily need to hoard goods, but really would be a good idea to hoard good feelings. I, I like that. I like that. Yeah, but let's build those up. Go out on that walk and go into that pastoral setting and really just, ha, ah, this is so nice. It is so wonderful. That's why I live in the jungle. <laughs> I live in paradise. Yeah, I, uh, I thought about moving to Thailand more on more than one occasion. Well, except for one thing, the important point is, is that the paradise is in here. It's not out there. <laughs> That's true. I suppose I'm I'm chasing I'm chasing the bullet of taste with my fondness of Thai food, so <laughs> Ah, but recognize that the food that you do have is good enough. It's good you enough. can enjoy whatever food that you're getting. You don't have to say I like that better than this. No, both of them are nourishing. Yeah. And so you can create your paradise. You don't have to come halfway around the world to find paradise. You just told me that you're not a block away. That's true. That's true. And when you get really skilled, it's going to stay right there in the room with you. <laughs> Working on. Working on. Ah, playing with it is a better way of thinking about it. Playing with Working it. on it means that it's the desire. Playing with it means it's already okay. Playing with it. Playing with it, yeah. yeah. Learn to play with things. You've got a human body. You've got one unique human body all to yourself, and all you have to do is just enjoy playing with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a marvelous toy to play with. It's, it's even got a built-in human intelligence. <laughs> which is quite remarkable. Something really nice to play with. Yeah. And what do we do with it instead? Oh, man, we write emails. <laughs> <laughs> and we don't enjoy them much. No, no, certainly not. Okay, so th this is the... It's a change of mentality or a change of attitude that comes with the feeling of, I can do this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this is what I want to impart upon you is, is that you can watch your mind and see these unwholesome thoughts mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and recognize that these junk thoughts are often unwholesome. Mm -hmm. But that you can choose how you want to feel. Mm -hmm. That's the rem that if anything, that is the most remarkable wake up point that Buddhism has to offer. The teachings of the Buddha have to offer this one thing that's so amazingly surprising is that you do have a choice over how you feel right now. Mm -hmm. Because we have lived our whole lives feeling out of control of our feelings, that our feelings run us. Well, this is just the way I feel. And we even identify with this feeling. I am angry or I am sad. No, you're not sad. You just have the feeling of sadness. How, why does sadness have to consume you completely to the point that you can make the statement, I am sadness itself? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so that's delusional. But when we recognize that sadness is often appropriate, it's kind of like a goodbye, a recognition so that we can let go. But we cling to it oftentimes, and people will be sad about something that happened 10 years ago. Every time they think of it, they get sad again. Okay, okay. Yeah. No need. Be yep. sad and let it go. Say goodbye and let it go and be okay. You got along without it before you met it. You can get along without it now, whatever it is. 
Yeah, that makes sense. I, I, uh, I was taught to think about it like like food. So you know, you don't um, you become the food when you taste it, why they're good or bad. You just kind of taste the food, understand the feeling, appreciate it, not appreciate it, and and kind of move on. With well, that's the important thing is the moving on rather than you become the food. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you didn't become the food. You just liked it and tasted it and enjoyed it right then. And it went inside and it nourishes you. And you can be grateful for this nourishment. Yeah, yeah. But you don't keep eating. You you do not become that food. Yeah, yeah. While you're eating a hamburger, you do not become a hamburger. Except yeah. in our own mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good, okay. I I think I get that concept. So... Now, the just to summarize, because I think there's been a lot of things, mm-hmm. a lot of few things from last week. There's, there's um, when I'm sitting down, looking at the breath, the length of the breath, making sure it's it's long and the body is is calm, or at least, yeah, and then um, looking at the feelings and the thoughts the relationship between those and making sure they're wholesome and nourishing thoughts and and, and Mm -hmm. good feelings cultivating good feelings and then building the skill of sukha building the skill of sukha literally talking yourself into feeling good okay nourishing yourself is another way of saying it that you're all right you're okay already as the Zen say, you're already enlightened. There's a little Zen story about that, and that is the young student comes into the um, to the big room where the old master is sitting and says, "Master, master, do you meditate to become enlightened?" Uh-huh. And the old master says, "No, nah, I'm just sitting here because I'm already enlightened." <laughs> That's very nice. That's very nice. Zen has a lot of fun. I like reading those those koans, those like one-liners. Mm-hmm. Quite nice. Yeah, to stop the mind. Yeah. Bring it out of the unwholesome into the wholesome. So that's it. Don't meditate to get anything. Meditate because you know how to enjoy it. Yeah, that's... Um... I think the first the first call we had, you kind of knocked me out of the whole like first John, a second John, a third John, fourteen the the hoops, and then you have to suffer in dukkha to get to each one of the you know. So <laughs> it's 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 been an adjustment in in perspective for sure. Precisely, and that at the deeper level, that the real deep part is when you begin to see clearly how much control you do have over the way that you feel. And not only that, but that's you have had that control all along and you were misusing it because you didn't know the power that you had over your own feelings. You thought that the feelings came from the outside. That's why people want to buy things just to make themselves feel better, you know, shopaholics and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. So now that we recognize that, no, I can, in fact, feel the way that I want to feel. I don't need anything in order to feel the way that I want to feel. I can just feel the way that I want to feel because I can talk myself into it, just like I talk myself into feeling bad. I can talk myself into feeling good. I can gladden my mind. I can Hmm. brighten my day. Okay. That's the way that we do it, is just pay attention to how we feel while we're cheering ourselves up. I see it. Here you've been criticizing yourself for not doing what you should be doing. Right, yeah. I have to bring it back naturally. Mm Mm-hmm, to a natural state. You're already okay. You don't need anything. You don't need to be enlightened. Just relax. Sit down and relax and enjoy the moment. I don't need to be in line. I need to sit <laughs> Now that's a large pill to swallow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> May you take it in tiny little pillets. May you not try to swallow it like a goose egg. Just one little breath at a time. Right now, I'm okay. I don't need enlightenment right now. i just be okay right now. In this particular moment, I don't need to be enlightened. I just need to relax and be happy. I'm in the lead. I'm going to need a lot of sessions. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. This has been really a good talk. I'm glad that you've got this. That's great. Okay. Great. Thank you. Thank you, too. Excellent. All right. Well, we'll finish now, and I'll talk to you in a few days. You go practice a little more wholesome thoughts. Yes, Taking sir. The deep breath. Oh, what a nice deep end breath this is. <gasps> <sighs> I like it so much. <laughs> that feels great. Well, thank you so much. Thank you again. <laughs> See you later. Likewise. Take care. Okay, bye-bye.